This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century with a fast, easy, and completely online process. Check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com. It's Wednesday, December 21st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, investor at large Tim Hansen. Hiya. Good to see you. Thanks. We're back in our usual studio. I may have been doing a little griping. Where were you? where were, where had you been located? <laughs> well, so uh, here in Studio Four, the lighting grid has been redone. Right, and as the listeners can tell, the lighting looks amazing. Do we call this Studio Four? I, I just uh, shorthand. It's the it's the fourth floor studio. Oh, I see. Got it. You know, saving a few syllables. Yep. So we were taping up in uh, up in the fifth floor. Studio Five. Studio. Uh, yeah, the Mackey. The Mackey. <laughs> um, we got a bunch of things to get to today. Um, let's start with Nike, though. Let me give a little context here. There are 30 stocks in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Year to date, 28 of them are in positive territory. Coca-Cola is down 2-3%. Nike down 17% year to date. It is far and away the only laggard in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. So maybe this is a little good news to end the year. Second quarter profits solidly came in ahead of expectations, as did their overall sales. I'm a little surprised that the stock isn't Really, respond. The stock is basically flat for the day. This, this on the surface looks like a really good quarter. Yeah, it, it did look like a good quarter, and it, and it builds on a pretty good quarter that they had uh, in the first quarter of their fiscal year, which was the, the previous quarter. Um, you know, Nike's a, it's a good business. The sales number was good. They gave up a little bit on the gross margin line, which I think some people are looking at, and then also people like to look at future orders, and that was a little bit disappointing. So I think some of the good was tempered with some of the some of the bad. Um, with regards to sort of long-term expectations, I think the most positive thing for Nike is that it seems like they're pretty successfully shifting into a um, direct-to-consumer sales model. That's that's becoming a bigger part of their sales. Um, obviously, with mall traffic down, department stores struggling, it's important for them to have um, other ways to get their product in the hand of customers. Um, you know, it's very with Adidas rebounding over the past year or two, getting their sort of act together. It's become a more competitive environment. Obviously, Under Armour's out there. There are a lot of niche brands. Um, but yeah, it, it was a good report. I mean, to me, the stock. I think Nike's a great company. I think the stock's still a little a little pricey given given the uncertainty around uh, margins and pricing going forward. But um, I mean, you can certainly do worse than than Nike. That's for sure. Can we talk about Adidas for a second? Sure. That stock is up 120 percent over the last two years. You go back a few years in time. You and I were in the studio and talking about Adidas, and it was. It was looking a little dodgy there for a while. Yeah. Um, but the, as you said, they have really righted the ship. Um, Adidas is, I, I think it's fair to say, it's a bigger brand in Europe than it is here in the States. Mm-hmm. But um, whereas maybe three, four years ago, you could make a pretty good argument for Under Armour overtaking Adidas or certainly coming up on the outside. Uh, and potentially overtaking Adidas as a as a bigger global brand, and and so Adidas is taking it from both Nike and sort of the upstart Under Armour. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any thoughts on on what they have done over the last couple of years to to have their stock rebound the way it has? I think you know the, the, we say this on on these programs all the time, which is that stock investing is an expectations game, and I think in the case of Adidas, the rebound isn't necessarily didn't. You know their numbers aren't all of a sudden blowing the doors off. It's just it didn't get as bad for them as people thought it might. Um, you know their their profit margins have stabilized around forty seven, forty eight percent, and I think a stock that had been trading, 
at a wide discount to Nike on a multiple basis, um, you know, sort of reverted to the mean. Historically, Nike has traded, I think, off the top of my head, maybe about one one point two times higher than uh, Adidas on like an EV enterprise value to EBITDA multiple basis. Um, that that gap had widened between the two um, pretty significantly. Uh, with people expecting Adidas to, to, to really struggle. Um, you know, Adidas had a lot of exposure to Russia. Um, they'd struggled a little bit in China. They hadn't managed inventory quite as well as, as Nike had. Um, but, you know, never, it never got that bad. And you saw that, that, that chasm between the two multiples just sort of narrow again. And, you know, sometimes that's how, sometimes it's that easy. <laughs> uh, you mentioned China. Nike, this makes the 10th straight quarter of double digit growth in China. That's. First of all, that's just flat out impressive. I wonder though, is that something that they can sustain? You know, I I, I think so. I mean, I think China has struggled a little bit um, from a macroeconomic standpoint over the past couple of years. You know, I think India is about to surpass China in terms of GDP growth rate, which would be a, a probably upsetting to the Chinese government. But having said that, um, still a lot of people being lifted into the middle class there. Consumer spending is rising, and what's been interesting about China is that if you go back. I don't know, five years or so, um, people were looking at the rise of the Chinese sports brands as, as competitors to Nike. You know, this was Li Ning, um, 361 Degrees. Um, there are a few others. You know, Dwayne Wade was Stefan Marbury, you know, were sponsors of these Chinese or uh, got sponsored by some of these Chinese sportswear brands. And it turned out that Chinese consumers weren't that interested in sort of what they viewed as sub tier brands. I mean, Li Ning tried to compete with Nike, they tried to price very similar to Nike if you were to walk down. You know the main drag in Beijing, the Li Ning store is sort of um, across the street from the Nike store, and you would go in, and the shoes would be selling at the same price point. And I found that hard to believe, and apparently Chinese consumers did <laughs> as well. They did as well. Uh, so it looks like the the premium branding that Nike has, um, that value is holding up in China as it has in, in the United States and Europe and elsewhere. You wrote something uh, recently that I wanted to touch on, which is an article entitled "We Can't Go On Like This," and a, really about the financial industry and how it's failing. Um, before I get into um, the comparison, which I love that you make, um, where did this idea come from? Just sort of because uh, you write from time to time, and I'm I'm just curious, just from an idea generation standpoint, what what was the genesis of, of this article? Yeah, I spent a lot of time reading academic papers, and um, th- this was just sort of a triangulation of a, a few papers that came across my desk. So one was um, a, an academic study of older people, retirees, um, you know, they control 50-60% of the net worth in the country, but recent studies have shown that their ability to make financial decisions decreases over time, even though their confidence in making those decisions stays the same. So that can be that can be concerning. Um, additionally, you know, the idea that um, a lot of people are banking on, you know, to the extent that that most people, 50-60% of Americans don't have financial plans, aren't saving and investing, um, even the people who are saving and investing, if you ask them what they think they're going to earn, um, generally speaking, there's going to say something like six, seven, eight, nine percent real returns, which is which is historically aggressive, and at this point probably uh, abs- verging on absurd. Um, you know, pension plans and whatnot have to make similar expectations when they when they invest. And then a, a paper from a, a firm out in uh, California called Research Affiliates, um, which you know took a look at some historical uh, data of stock market returns from current valuation levels, things of that nature. And determine that the probability of some of these return assumptions materializing 
you know, naming like a 5% return and a 60-40 stock bond portfolio, they estimated the probability to be zero. Um, so, you know, w- when you put all that stuff together, you've got people making either no decisions or bad decisions. Um, people being the people who are making decisions are very optimistic, and then the fact that the probability of some of that stuff materializing goes to zero, and then you know combine that with obviously the uh, decline of defined benefit plans, the uncertainty surrounding Social Security, and it looks like a, a somewhat bleak picture for you know American net worth uh, writ large out if you go out a few years. Well, and were, were you at District Taco? Is that where you went? You, yeah, that's the, that's the just that's the, the taco place down the street from me. Yeah, I, I was actually there this morning. Oh, yeah, after, they do nice breakfast tacos. They they do. That's and I I got there right you know, dropped my son off at school and thought, wow, well, you know, uh, taco. District Taco is only a couple blocks away. They got the swings coffee there too. Yeah, um, but uh, but I I like that you know that you draw this comparison to, you know. The financial industry, and just, and you know, you just happen to be in a taco place. You could, you could have been in any restaurant, but just sort of like, boy, a taco place, pretty transparent in terms of the consumer experience. Yeah, pretty transparent in terms of, I know what the options are available to me. I probably have a good sense of uh, how good or or bad this place is when I walk in the door, if I've done any kind of research or if I've been there before. And I know right off the bat what I'm paying. Well, you know the great thing about tacos is past performance is <laughs> is indicative of future results. It really is. Yeah. Uh, no, and the, you know and the other thing is the weird thing about the financial industry is, is generally speaking, as you pay more and add complexity to your investing solution, your return outcome gets worse. Um, you know, to carry on the taco analogy, as you um, Pay more for your taco and add toppings to it. Your taco gets damn better, right? And and that's, usually that's a linear that's a linear relationship that's really easy to understand. Um, whereas in the financial industry, it's inverted, and it's almost you know you've got to really challenge yourself. You know, investors in some ways are are hardwired for complexity and overconfidence, and it's actually a real challenge to keep it simple, keep it low cost, and and trust that you know a bare bones execution is going to get you to where you need to be. But you know, if you believe the returns data, um, you know, being estimated by research affiliates and and, and others, um, you know, market cap weighted indexing is while it's the best option, you know, a lot of people have right now, it isn't necessarily going to get you to where you need to be with regards to your retirement net worth. So, I mean, what the piece kind of contemplates is, you know, is there an opportunity to have a mass market product that can be better than market cap weighted index funds? Um, I, I think there is, but I, but maybe not. And before we keep going, I've got to say a word about Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. If you've ever bought a home, you already know how frustrating and time-consuming getting a mortgage can be. Rocket Mortgage brings the whole process into the 21st century by taking all of the complicated, time-consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. You can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button and get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your own financial situation. And you can do it all on your phone or tablet. You can do it all on your phone or tablet while you're sitting at District Taco. Think about that. You're just waiting for your food, and uh, you know, hop onto Rocket Mortgage, buy a house, buy a house, refinance. All the kids are doing it. Yeah. So if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home before interest rates go sky high, something you might want to think about. Check out Rocket Mortgage today at QuickenLoans.com/fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. NMLS ConsumerAccess.org number 3030. Uh, we've been doing this all week, uh, so I, I wanted to have you weigh in as well with. 
the premise of uh, a Christmas gift uh, of stock that someone would need to hold for three to five years, and the stock equivalent of a lump of coal. Same thing, that three to five years from now, if it's not at zero, it's certainly lower than it is today. Can I pair them up? Absolutely. Can one be contingent on the other? Absolutely. I like it. Uh, so, so one... It's like going to the track and betting the daily double. <laughs> So I think you know one 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 um, sector in the market that I think everybody is aware has been hit pretty hard is the energy sector, but obviously it's been hit pretty hard for a couple years going now. And if you were early to the energy sector, you've done quite poorly, even if things had looked cheap. Um, and the reason for that is that obviously energy sector stocks can move independent or agnostic of company quality because the price of oil and demand for that sort of thing is such a huge driver of business activity. You can have a great company and if oil nobody's buying oil, um, they're not going to have a very good not going to have a very good year. So, you know, one one way to think about getting exposure to that is to, you know, buy a really high quality company and then go short a um, lower quality company in the hopes that were oil prices to go up, your high quality company would go up more than the lower quality company. And were oil prices to go down, it would go down less, and so you'd be able to do well either way, or, or do well even though you can't predict the price of oil. So, um, small cap energy services company from from one that I think is pretty good is a company called uh, Carbo Ceramics. I think we've talked about Carbo Ceramics in the past. Yeah, um, they make propent, which helps increase the amount of um, oil and gas you recover from a well. Um, you know, it's a premium price product. It struggled a little bit as energy sector spending has has contracted, but good management team. Uh, good balance sheet, and uh, as as the situation potentially improves, um, the stock's been hit pretty hard. It should do reasonably well. On the flip side, another small cap energy services company uh, called uh, Flowtech, and um, um, Flowtech makes uh, what are called, I think, complex nanofluids. These are. I'm sorry, you're gonna have to unpack that. <laughs> so these are. I think basically its its biggest product is something called a surfactant. Which is just a fluid that reduce, reduces surface tension in a liquid, so it too is something you add to a well to increase recovery factors. Okay. Um, historically, their product has sold at a, quite a premium to um, the surfactant sold by competitors. Um, recent research from some investors and others has come out questioning the efficacy of that product relative to its comp- competition, which might erode their ability to price it at a premium. Um, is this like the Chinese competitor to Nike? Kinda, because this yeah. is what it's sounding a little bit like. A little, yeah. That's not a bad analogy. Um, and uh, the um, I lost, I lost my train. Of, oh no! So uh, they they gave out guidance yesterday, which recognized they said, "Oh, the environment's getting better, um, but our margins are probably going to be contracting." And so I think the mar- market may be catching on to the fact that um, they may not have the pricing power they've had in the past. Um, they have a very weak balance sheet, a small margin for error to the extent that happens. Um, management team. Doesn't have the world's greatest background, so there are a couple of you know at least red flag, yellow flaggy type things floating around the stock. So, you know, we're oil to pop. The business can certainly stabilize and do well, but I think it would do less well than carbo ceramics. So maybe you can you can team them up, and 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 maybe try to I- or remove or isolate that oil price macro risk. I will give them this one compliment, uh, compliment, which is that for an incredibly complex product in a difficult to understand industry, they picked a remarkably simple name. In Flowtech. 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 Technology of flow. <laughs> a couple of housekeeping notes before we wrap up. Uh, the market is closed on Monday, the 26th. Happy Boxing Day to everyone in advance of that. Uh, so, no market foolery. 
Uh, and and Boxing Day, yeah. yeah. Watch some uh, Premier League soccer. All the games will be on. You know what? That's that's going to be better than my alma mater's bowl game, which is, <laughs> which is, which is on the 26th. Are they in the Obscure Bowl? Uh, they might as well be. The Boston College is playing the University of Maryland in Detroit oh. in the Quick Lane Bowl. Okay. So I expect hundreds of people to show up for that game. That should be huge. Um, so yeah, so we're we're wrapping up for the week now. We're we'll be back uh, probably on Tuesday the 27th. But a great probably. <laughs> <laughs> No promises. We're not sure. But a great opportunity to check out the Motley Fool's other podcasts. Um, also, uh, as I mentioned recently, I think I mentioned this on Motley Fool Money, we are already on the lookout for summer interns for 2017. So, um, if you are someone interested in uh, an internship... Is this all ages, or do you have to be college age? I think typically we're, we're, this is aimed at the college market. <laughs> I think historically that's fair to say. But, you know, we got some young people listening, or certainly people who know young people. Uh, go to careers.fool.com. All the information on the Motley Fool's summer internships uh, for 2017 are there. And, uh, yeah, careers.fool.com, a bunch of internships. And uh, we i got to say, we've had, like... a for a few years in a row now, we've had a, a really solid group of interns. They're usually good kids. Yeah, yeah. So kudos to our HR team for for finding the best ones available. Um, thanks for being here, man. Thank you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Safe travels to Ohio. Thank you, sir. Good luck in your race. I appreciate that. The, this is on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve? Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Frozen five miler. Five miler, and and the weather forecast was negative, it, not negative. It was eight degrees. Eight. Now and, it's like 34 and rain. Oh boy. And I wasn't sure. I'm not <laughs> neither, sure. Neither yeah. of those is a great option. But, you know, I'll finish, maybe. <laughs> As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Heather Horton. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Looks like it's all
say he's got to join the union. He's got no pension or workman's comp or a dental plan. There's no exchanges, there's no returns. He's got a lot of tricks he's learned. He's in the chimney, but he doesn't burn. He goes on and on and on and on. Sam!